Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Coffee's in hand. Week's ready to go. Traffic was pretty good this morning. Probably because the Saints won yesterday. Hi again, everybody. Studio B at Airline Drive, where the Saints and Pelicans train, and this is your podcast for the Saints and the Pelicans. The Black and Blue Report is ready to go. And with John DeShazer, I'm Sean Kelly. And the, uh, as we mentioned, the Saints winners yesterday beating the Minnesota Vikings 20-9. And that makes for a better Monday morning all the way around. John, we haven't had a Monday morning like this, well, what, since last season? Yeah, everything's a little bit better, huh? Yes. I guess, it, is it coincidentally that uh, we're now going to get, you know, fall rolling in and a cool snap? You know, Saints win, and all of a sudden the heat breaks and all that kind of stuff. All is right in the world. It always falls that way, huh? Powerball's $225 (laughs) this week. Maybe maybe I'll buy a ticket. So if you don't hear from me on Black and Blue next week, you'll know I hit it (laughs) (laughs) and left. And so, yeah, everything uh, everything's always better when they win, man. Everybody, you know, a little bit, you know, there's a little bit more skip in the step uh, as they go to work or as they're around this building at work, as opposed to, you know, everybody kind of looking at each other and not really crossways, but, you know, it's just a little, it's just a little bit better to win. Absolutely. By the way, if you win Powerball, I'll keep my job, but I'll probably do Black and Blue Report from the boat that you buy me. Well, see, I see it now. I figured I'd just pay off your mortgage and that would be. Oh, well, that's cool. Okay. And then with the money I save from not having to pay mortgage, yeah. I'll buy the boat. Yeah, still there you Black go. And Blue yeah, Report see, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd at least take care of the house. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do the frivolous things. I'd take care of the necessities, and then, you know, I'd let you do the frivolous things. My friend, this is why you are my favorite partner. That's what I am. That's, see, how, that's how we do. It's the looming aspect of what you could do for me <laughs> if you win Powerball this week. I'm hanging on to that here even on this Monday. We are one week away, by the way, from media day for the New Orleans Pelicans and therefore the start of training camp, if you can believe that. We have a primetime football game to talk about later this week as the Saints will go on to play the Dallas Cowboys, looking to even up their week. So it's it's very, very cool around campus right now. We are about to that sweet time of year where both teams are in action. And Did my you say one week? One week. One week from today. I was not ready for that. Yes. I am just ill-prepared we will be flying back from dallas after the 7:30 kick on sunday night basically to get back in time to 
take care of media day next week. Man, I almost said something that got us kicked off the podcast, man. Please don't that do is, that. This is being taped, though, so we got the wizardry of uh, – of diesel over there, so yes, we can always edit it out. But if you win Powerball, we're, we're well. Okay. That's true, you know. Yeah, then I can yeah. get on there and say some of those words George Carlin always talked about. <laughs> it all comes back around to that. All right, let's get to it. Uh, uh, yesterday, as we mentioned, obviously the win for the Saints, twenty to nine over the Vikings. Uh, to help us with that today, of course, JD in studio. We're also going to take you inside the Saints post game locker room on our program today and get you an exclusive visit, not only with Paris Harrelson on the defensive side of the football, but Kenny Stills as well. Stills was a part of basically securing the win yesterday. Had a couple of ball control type catches, uh, very nice possession sustaining catches yesterday in the second half. And while the Saints offense, I don't think, electrified anybody in quarters three and four, they did just enough, especially the drive at the end of the game, to basically, I don't want to say ice the thing away, but at least keep Minnesota's offense off the field and JD I think the defense may not all of them but may have answered some of the questions that Saints fans had through the first two weeks of the regular season well we know Minnesota was minus Adrian Peterson and we know also that Minnesota's quarterbacking situation isn't the greatest in the world however you've got to beat the team that's on the field in front of you and uh, and they played great in doing so defensively um, if you can keep a team out of the end zone, which is what they managed to do, and force them to kick field goals, you will always give yourself a chance to win, especially at home. So, yes, the offense sputtered, but we don't think the offense is going to be that way for long or for many more games. This offense is just too prolific, and they, they put up points and yards. And even though they didn't score a lot yesterday, they did put up the yards. And they ended up finishing out the game with a with a basically, you know, Coach Payton always called it the four-minute offense. It basically turned into the six-and-a-half-minute offense where they closed out the game, I think, the last 628 and do not give Minnesota possession of the ball back. So that's huge offensively. But defensively, you know, you look at every number the Saints put up defensively, you know, allowing 247 yards, holding Minnesota to 6 of 15 on third down, I think holding them to about 13 first downs. You put all those numbers together and also, you know, holding Minnesota 0 for 2 in the red zone, forcing them to kick a couple of field goals. You're going to win more than your fair share of games if you can play that way defensively. So that's the carryover you want to maintain. Again, Minnesota wasn't at full strength, obviously, but those guys are NFL players, and you've got to go out and execute regardless of who's out there. And defensively, the Saints were able to execute it. Um, the, a couple of defensive busts, you saw some guys kind of running underneath on some free on some routes from time to time, but nothing that really ended up hurting the Saints in, in the long run. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I had a couple of folks yesterday after the game say, boy, they got a win, but it wasn't pretty. And I thought, come on now. This is the National Football League. A win is a win is a win. Carolina got smoked last night. Uh, couldn't stop the run. Couldn't keep their quarterback off his backside. So there's some other interesting stories around the NFL. I, you know, does it have to be pretty? I, I, look, I thought Drew Brees did a nice job in his postgame presser yesterday, and I don't want to play that again because it's available for you on NewOrleansSaints.com. But, John, you were sitting in there, and after Brees finally fielded the 15 to 20 questions about him getting slammed to the ground – he went down almost this laundry list of numbers about their offense yesterday, and every time after he said, that's winning football, that's winning football, that's winning football. And he was right. You know, we, he, he built the case for a 20-9 to win is as good as a 45-12 to win. I mean, I just thought he did a good job. With we got to get Daniel to pipe in that Herm Edwards, you know, classic tape. You play to win the game. I mean, you play in to win the game, and it doesn't matter how you get there. You're trying to get to the finish line first. That's all that matters. And there's no team in the NFL 
this season, I think uh, Cincinnati might still be undefeated, so they might dispute it. But I don't think there's a single team that you look at that you would say has played clean football all three games. Uh, Seattle has not. Nope. Uh, Denver has not. Atlanta. Atlanta has not. Because they, oh, they, they lost. Well, they lost the game though. Who? who, who no, no, no. Cincy. Cincy spanked them. I, I but I'm saying have not played. No, game. no, no, no. Just a clean three games. Oh. A, 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 to, a totality of no. three games. And so to for for Saints fans or anybody to look at it and say, well, you know, it wasn't pretty. Look, you got to take wins where you can get them in the NFL. You know, there is no such thing as, you know, you'd love to have all of them be beautiful and win all of them 49 nothing. That ain't going to happen in this league. So you take the win. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes you got to win with your C-plus game, so to speak. Sometimes you'll get the B-plus. Maybe you'll get an A-minus from time to time. But you've got to be able to put it together when you need it, and that's what the Saints were able to do. The first two drives of the game, you thought they were going to score on every possession. Offense bogs down, gets a couple of penalties, slows down a little bit. The defense ends up having to bail them out by getting some stops, and that's what you have to do in team football. Um, kicking it to, to Corderell Patterson really scared me because he's a guy who can who can do some things. And so, you know, that's probably something they'll be emphasizing this week, I bet you, in the kicking game. You know, one, either have, you know, hopefully Thomas Morstead will kick his kickoffs out of the end zone, which we're accustomed to seeing, which, so that was a surprise. Or you've got to cover a little bit better, but for the most part, you know, as you mentioned, you know, winning is winning. You 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 take them how you get them, man. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it's pleasing to the eye. What you're looking at is the W and L column, and you want to get something in that W column. All right, Fair, yes, well said. Um, sometimes to the point of exaggeration, we love to trumpet the praise of the dome field advantage for the New Orleans Saints. How much of a factor, though, does it play into yesterday's win? Well, I mean, I really don't think it – You know, early in the game, I think it, it, it might have helped some with the first two drives. And then, you know, a, a crowd is going to basically feed off what the team does, not vice versa for the most part. I mean, the crowd can cheer as loud as they want to, but if you got a hold on second and five and it becomes second and 15, the crowd's probably going to cr- quiet down a little bit. So the crowd really didn't pump back up yesterday until the captain Munnerly personal foul against Drew Brees, mm-hmm. you know, the whole suplex body slam. And Drew jumps up. He's hot, rightfully so. Gives a shove to actually the other guy who was in on the sack. I can't remember his name, number 36, but shoves him. So, But that's when the crowd really got into it, and that's when the offense kind of fired up and the Saints were able to convert some third downs, drive 90 yards, score the touchdown that made it a two-possession game. But I'm not going to say the crowd wasn't good. I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with the team going into a lull, and they really didn't have anything to cheer for. You give them something to cheer for, and it'll keep rolling and rolling and rolling. Now, I think they supported the defense pretty well, but you know the offense didn't give them a whole lot of reason to 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 jump up out of their seats and to be real throaty about it. So, yeah, it started out well. Then you get the big lull, the big you know dull patch in the middle, and then they close out decent. All right, I'm with you. We're in agreement on most everything this morning. It must be a yeah, good Monday. It's got to be. Yes. Um, Jared Bell, the great writer from USA Today, was at the ball game yesterday and also had his eye on the NFL. He's going to stop by here on the Black and Blue Report today as well. Hey, let's kick around a couple of numbers before we get to our interviews on the day. Um, we talked a little bit last week going in about the running game and who would kind of be the lead dog in that pack. And Kyrie Robinson had a career high in rushing attempts with 18, ended up with 69 yards. Um, and while everybody wants to talk about the 100-yard game, I think in the scheme of this offense and running back by committee, you'll take 69 yards. Let's not forget Pierre Thomas also had a touchdown, and the short touchdown run came actually after 
a much more impressive catch and run for Pierre Thomas, which he likes to do as well. So keep that in mind. No turnovers yesterday. Now, we could take this glass half full or glass half empty. Half empty would say the Saints defense did not pick up a takeaway yesterday, but maybe more importantly here, the Saints offense didn't turn it over. And in the glass half full world, Sean Payton's Saints are 26-0 and when they don't commit a turnover. What else do you want to get off of our list here? Uh, oh, didn't allow a touchdown. You, you pointed that out. It's been almost a two years since that's happened. As far as balance goes, the Saints now through three games are averaging 140 on the ground, 280 through the air. Not many teams have done that uh, since, well, gosh, only eight in NFL history through the first three. No one since the Cowboys in 08. And then Drew Brees went nine for nine to start the day and finished with two touchdowns and a passer rating of over 120. So just a couple of notes that you and I did pass along for the most part in our postgame report yesterday afternoon. Yeah, the biggest one being the 26-0 when they don't commit a turnover. That's that's pretty phenomenal. I mean, you know, and that's something that, you know, it, you always hear uh, Coach Payton talk about turnovers and, and how they can affect the football game. Basically what that says is when the Saints don't turn it over, they win. <laughs> when they don't turn it over, they win. You might not force one, but if you don't give it away, you win. And that might have been the case. That probably would have been the case in Atlanta, if you think about it. Probably would have been the case in Cleveland. That pick six turns out to be huge in the grand scheme of things. If you hold on to the football, you always give yourself a chance. And the Saints do better than that. When they hold on to the football, they win. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, one more note. Uh, 49-4 and four now when the Saints hold their opponent under 20 points in the Peyton era. Yes, because you know this offense is going to score. Yeah, you know they're going to score. So if yes. they can hold you to you know something reasonable, they're probably going to win the game because you know they're going to score. All right, Paris Harrelson, uh, Kenny Stills, and Jared Bell from USA Today on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, basketball right around the corner, but we're going to focus on football here today, and then we'll bring John back in before the show's over, and we'll talk about the week ahead here for the New Orleans Saints. We're in Studio B here on this Monday, and a lot of good stuff still to come right for us. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Individual game tickets for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. Make sure to score your tickets early to check out the biggest matchups and see the biggest stars of the NBA. The best seats for premier games are going to go fast. Visit pelicans.com and take flight with your Pelicans today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Jared Bell from USA Today still to come here on the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. As promised, though, time to take you inside the Saints postgame locker room yesterday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Let's start with the defensive side of the football and catch up with one of the guys that started yesterday. That's linebacker, number 98, Paris Harrelson. The differences today as opposed to what you've been working through the last two weeks, what, what started to hit for you guys? 
I mean, shoot, knowing that we had to get a win, knowing that we had to come in and um, pull it together and, and finish the game. We came in and, you know, we still got some things to work on, but you know, like you said, it's, it's all about building. I think we, we took a step in the right direction. There were some things that you guys worked pretty hard on this past week. Mm -hmm. What were those that translated into the game today? I mean, it's always things you work on. They got a bunch of playmakers over there. Um, you know, um, Cordell is one of their playmakers. We had to maintain. We had to watch and see where he was at. The offensive line blocks. They do a bunch of things with formations that we had to recognize, and they can, if not, you know, somebody can be running free. So it's a lot of things we had to work on, and we did that. I think uh, we were able to play pretty solid, and that's pretty much it. Harris, take me into the red zone. Those trips that Minnesota had there and to only come away with field goals certainly seem to be a huge part of this game. Right, you know, that's that's what you do. If they get to the red zone, we got to hold them to a field goal as a defense, and um, that's something we work on all the time, and we hadn't been that good in the red zone, you know, lately, and we've been working on it hard, and like you said, when you work on it in practice, it carries over to the game, and that was something that we, we focused on. I think we did a pretty good job of getting it done. Did, did you sense, being back at home for the first time, did you sense at any point that being at home or the crowd behind you, was there a player or two that proved it? to maybe help? Yeah, it, it, it's always, you know, the crowd noise helps a lot. You know, it's one of the loudest domes or stadiums in the NFL. And, uh, you know, anytime you can get a offsides or a miscommunication between, the, you know, the quarterback and offensive line or the, or the actual quarterback and receivers, it always helps. The difference in the game between what Matt Castle brings to the table and then all of a sudden they make the change, what were your thoughts about how things looked to you all with Bridgewater back there? I mean, you know, Bridgewater's, uh, you know, Matt Castle's uh, been in his league for a while. He's a great quarterback, man. He's a good quarterback. I'm able to make the checks, make the throws, and then you got a guy like Bridgewater, this younger guy, comes in uh, a little more athletic, can move around a little bit, so you have to watch the way you rush him because he can break a long one like he did on us today. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where in a game you have, you have to be able to adapt, and that's what we were able to do. Offenses always talk about being in a rhythm. Do defenses have a rhythm? And if so, did you find it today? I mean, I, don't, I mean, you say a rhythm. Offenses get a rhythm, but defense is going to be ups and downs and flows of the game. And I think one thing about you know defensively, you just have to be that 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 the one that knows to go into the next play and get ready to finish it. Does a win break the ice in any way, whether it's week one or week three? I think a win gives you a, a, a better thing. You don't want to go in anywhere zero and three, so you have to win one before you can win two. Now you got to get better focus on Dallas next week. Thanks, Paris. Thank yeah. you, buddy. All right, so the Saints defense holding the Vikings out of the end zone yesterday, holding them to three field goals. Nicely done. We'll talk about the offense in just a moment. Kenny Stills checks in here on the Black and Blue Report. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home, where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Hi, it's Mark Roaming. When I'm not announcing first down Saints, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. Eight guys, that's right, eight Eight guys yesterday caught balls from Drew Brees in the 20-9 win over the Minnesota Vikings. One of those guys was Kenny Stills. He was targeted five times, had four catches in all, 
38 yards. His longest was 19, or excuse me, 15 yards, and his average was nine and a half yards per catch. Some key receptions in the second half. Here's my visit with Kenny Stills yesterday in the locker room after the Saints win. Does a day like this lighten the load a little bit after the way the season started? Oh yeah, you know it's always good to get a win. Um, wasn't the prettiest win, but um, you know it's a step in the right direction. What wasn't pretty about it? I mean, I kind of hear it in your voice a little bit. Just you know, we just I feel like we have hold ourselves to a high standard and you know expect to you know be a little bit more clean out there. And um, so there's a few things that we can still work on. And like I said, it's just a, a positive step in the right direction. All right. Well, let's be fair though. The, the game starts well for your side of the ball. You know, what was the difference between the way the game started? And the way the game kind of finished out for you all? Um, you know, we just, I feel like, you know, we kind of got into a rhythm in the first two drives and then, you know, kind of sputtered from there. But um, like you said, you know, we, we picked it up in the, you know, in the fourth quarter and, and finished the game strong. And we always talk about that. It's big for us. So, you know, we're just happy to get a win. It seemed like everybody was getting touches there for a stretch. I mean, at one point, it just, it was a new name, a new name, a new name every time a big play would happen. Yeah, you know, um, we have a lot of guys on our offense that are capable of making plays, and um, we know that. So, you know, I, I think Drew, you know, obviously knows that too, and so he tries to spread it out as much as he can. It, it seemed like, you know, even when, like you said, it wasn't as pretty as you thought it might be in the second half, you came up with some, let's call them ball securing type plays. Yeah, you know, I just, every time uh, the ball comes my way, I want to make a play, and so, um, you know, just the opportunities that I get, I make sure I catch them and, and try to do something with it. T tell me about what it was like on the field when you know, Drew gets sacked and then the you know unnecessary roughness penalty is called. Um, you know, the, obviously the crowd is kind of foaming at the mouth. What was it? What was it like for you all? <laughs> it's uh, different, you know, to see Drew do something like that. Obviously, I haven't been playing here that long, but just to watch him, you know, I've never seen him do anything like that. So, um, you know, he was fiery and it got the crowd, you know, pumped up. And I feel like that was kind of the, the turning point for us um, as an offense. And then we got things going and finished the game strong. Is it an emotional save at that point on top of getting a first down? Yeah, um, you know, it's just just to see him react like that, obviously, um, it just gets everybody else going. And, uh, you know, it, it excites us to see, you know, how much he cares. And, and obviously the crowd liked it, too. So we just we, we got it going from there. You've told me your fondness before of the veteran and Marcus Colston and to see him make a play during that drive like that. Did, did that, uh, I guess, bring back some of the the Colston that we were missing the last game or two? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a big play for us and, and for him, you know, obviously with the drop earlier in the game, um, you know, he's probably frustrated and so for him to go out there and make a big play like that just shows, you know, the leader that he is to be able to go out there and, and forget about the, the play before that and make a big play for us and uh, it was huge. All in all though, how do you feel less than an hour after a win like that? feel good. Um, you know, it'll sink in. We'll go over it tomorrow and then uh, we're moving on to Dallas. Thanks, Kenny. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, when we come back on the Black and Blue Report here in Studio B, it's Jared Bell from USA Today on this Monday. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City, to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. 
Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. What's up, Black and Gold fans? This is Anthony Mackie, Seven Wall Soldier, Drew Brees' disciple. You are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back on this Monday. John DeShazer will rejoin us here shortly on the Black and Blue Report, but uh, first as promised, uh, greetings to Jared Bell from USA Today and in Studio B. This, it's hard to pin you down. We got you at training camp, I think, out of the Greenbrier, exactly. and sometimes we get you on the telephone. But here on campus, this is kind of rare. Well, it's cool. Yeah, I got a chance to see the Saints. And the weird thing with you talk about seeing um, training camp in Greenbrier a few weeks ago, I came into the season, I said, oh, the Saints are ready to really make this Super Bowl run. And lo and behold, they lose those first two games. And yesterday was no cakewalk. So no, no. I've kind of readjusted my sentiments about this team. I don't know where I am at the moment. I mean, I'm obviously encouraged by some of the steps that were taken yesterday. Um, and I had some folks tell me, we were talking about this earlier in the show, that, oh, yeah, they got the win, but it wasn't pretty. And I'm trying to think, okay, well, who's had a pretty win right now in the NFL as far as consistently? I know we have a couple of 3-0 and teams, but have you seen a team yet that's put it all together for the first three weeks in a row? We've got some undefeated teams, but those – undefeated teams could have lost. I mean, look at Philadelphia Mm -hmm. down by 10 in each of their three victories, right? Uh, Arizona 3-0, but could have lost and had to come back yesterday. So I know what you're saying, and that's the the thing to be careful of right now is to jump to the conclusions in the first quarter of the season to say this will happen at the end. But the reason why I, I really wonder about the Saints now is because they lost two games on the road. And I know they were losses that came to the last play of the game, right? So those were winnable games, obviously. But for this team to get to the Super Bowl, I think they've got to get that number one seed. So that means 13, 14, or should I say 14 or 13 victories. So the the margin of error for this team when you're talking about going all the way, is really tight about right now. So they've got to rip off a, a, a long winning streak. And so it's difficult to talk about that in week three, week four, and say, okay, you've got to win the next six or ten or whatever because it's a week-to-week thing. But I think that's the reality for the Saints. You know, they, they still have not proven in the playoffs – that they can win on the road, and even though they won that one in Philly last mm-hmm. year, I still think that has to be the formula. Now, to get back to what you were saying yeah. about what you saw yesterday, yeah, you take some positives because they were physical, and they've shown an ability, even with Mark Ingram out now, that they can win up front and it can have that punishing running game. So um, the defense, that's the other thing. Yeah. Let's see where it goes now. What did you uh, – you know, uh, I think that – I was really pleased to see them hold Minnesota to three field goals in those three red zone trips. Um, And that's not so easily done in the NFL these days. I don't care who the quarterback is or if it's the backup or anything else. Did you at least, did you at least see something different in the defense that maybe you didn't see in the first two weeks? And if so, what was it? Well, I didn't watch those first couple of games. Uh, You know, I didn't watch them at all. So I can't, say that I really noticed a lot just from my vantage point. But the thing that I wondered about really 
revolves around the safeties. I mean, you know, you go back to last year and what they had with the young guys up front really bringing the heat. So saw that again yesterday, right? And like you said, Teddy Bridgewater, rookie quarterback, he gave them more trouble in some ways than Matt Castle with his mobility, mobility right? right yeah. I mean, they caught, they caught a quarterback draw in the red zone on like third and seven, and he converted it. It was like, whoa. Yes. I mean, he, for a rookie quarterback just coming in cold off the bench, he impressed me with some things. But to, to get back to the Saints' defense, you have Jarris Bird now in that secondary having missed all of that time in the preseason. I think that's the thing you want to see from week to week, whether or not they can really get consistency on the back end because you know you've got the talent with Bird, with, um, with, with, yeah, with, with, with Bird, Raphael Bush, Kenny Vaccaro, uh, Kenan Lewis on the corner. So um, I want to see if that can come through. And then obviously – this was talked about back at Greenbrier getting more turnovers. Uh, that that's kind of the thing with their defense. If they can get that going, you know, I, I think they can get the right formula to put it together. And then you're talking, and then that's the run that you're referring to. You know, absolutely. And I know the takeaways have eluded them even thus far. Uh, it's so hard, though. I mean, because it is a weekly thing to not overanalyze every little thing that you see. I get that. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of Bridgewater. It, it, <laughs> And then Blake Bortles plays yesterday. Uh, did you think that out of the rookie quarterbacks that Johnny Manziel will be the last one sitting and watching from the side out of this whole group? Yeah, that's that's interesting. In one regard, you may have thought that because, you know, Brian Hoyer, as bad as he looked in preseason, is a veteran who has done some good things with Cleveland and, and kind of, you know, has the experience to, to lean on. So, after watching Manziel in the preseason, <clears throat> yeah, you, you thought that was possible that he'd be the last guy. Because remember, there was a competition between Bridgewater and Castle late into the summer. Mm -hmm. And then Bortles, that one kind of mystified me because you thought everything was there for him to step in almost immediately. But I can also understand that they wanted to just give it some time. Well, now they've had some time. They've seen Chad Henney. They've seen Bortles come off the bench. But going back to maybe draft night and all of the buzz about Johnny football, yeah, you kind of expected maybe that you'd see him <laughs> before those other guys just because he's Johnny football. Right. But as right. we've seen this thing play out now, okay, probably in the right order that it needs to be. All right, let me put you on the spot a little bit because you said, and you were quite honest about it back in West Virginia, that you felt or you, you had the Saints near the top of your list. Yeah. And maybe now let's just – Wait and see a little bit. Waffling a little bit. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'm just I'm I'm paraphrasing you, I guess. Yeah, no, to some it's, it's true. Yeah. If now that you're waffling a little bit there, is there a team though that has emerged now at the top of your stack through three games? And again, I know it's only three games, but and I'm I'm circling back to the conversation yeah. about oh, yeah. who's three and zero and who's really three and zero and right, you know, and all that. Where, what do you think? Yeah, the Saints are still right there because yeah. you know Seattle it would be at the top of the stack just because defending champs. They have a consistency about them that can travel as well. Now, I don't think they'll go undefeated. Well, they, they've already <laughs> lost saying, the game yeah. on the road, See? right? So I think that's kind of the window when I talk about that number one seed and how the Saints can get it. It's because Seattle on the road, there, there are questions. But 
the thing about them is that you know they've got a tough defense that will travel. Russell Wilson is a phenomenal quarterback. Marshawn Lynch. So they've got those those things that are in place that are pretty much going to be there every week. And and uh, when they do lose, they don't get blown out. So Seattle and the defending champs. I mean, rightfully so. So Seattle is still that team. But I'm really trying to get a read on Philadelphia. Okay. We know what their offense can do. And a big question for me was answered yesterday with Nick Foles, and it probably has been there for the first couple of weeks as well. How does he respond to adversity? The Eagles and Chip Kelly did so much last year on offense and really took the NFL by storm. So you wanted to see if they could do it again. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't have to do it exactly the same way they did it last year, but they play with a high tempo and – they, they really squeezed the, the opposing defenses. Now the other question with them is obviously their defense. And, you know, Kerry Williams made some comments after the game about how um, <laughs> they're tired already. Yeah, it's week three. Week three. Yeah. But, but the point of what he was saying is, is really interesting, and I think it's very valid because you've got to practice against that high-tempo offense for it to work, for them to get the reps on offense that they need, and who are they going to get those reps against the Eagles' defense. And so I think when you get down towards the end of the season, I don't know if they they should be tired right now in week three, but, but, but I, I felt what Kerry Williams was saying from the standpoint that it's a long season and you don't want to wear your guys out by practicing that, that no-huddle um, offense throughout the entire season. So that'll be something to keep keep an eye on. Now Arizona at 3-0, and um, you wonder about them because they've had all of these losses on defense. But Bruce Arians has done a heck of a job there, and they seem to do – <laughs> do do a, a masterful job of getting the best out of people that they have to plug in. Mm-hmm. And they they did that with the quarterback yesterday, Drew Stanton, who for the second week in a row had to play for Carson Palmer. But now they're challenged to do it on defense because they've lost a lot of people from that unit from last year. But I think they're, they're a team that um, is definitely worthy of watching. I don't know about Super Bowl worthy, but definitely dangerous every week heck they got to get out of their own division we'll just let's let's remember oh, yeah. that i yeah. mean oh, yeah. that's that's the crazy thing they're in first place in that division but yet to have played division games but but let me let me say this about them because we've seen them be competitive for you know a couple of years they've built this thing 10 wins last year they didn't make the playoffs so they beat the 49ers huge win and then you think who did seattle lose its only home game against over the past couple of years, uh-huh. <laughs> those pesky Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. Yes. So I, I think there's some substance to it. The thing you, that you're concerned about if you're a Cardinals fan is the toll of the injuries that they've had. Let's talk off the field for just a moment. I don't want to make this into a huge deal, but with regard to the Ray Rice Ravens, Adrian Peterson, Minnesota, Carolina, all this going on, what's the next shoe to drop? Oh, what happens with this investigation? And the story last week by ESPN's Outside the Lines about the Ravens really having a role in the suspension, the two, the original two-game suspension of Ray Rice, just really raises so many questions on another level. Because you always wondered about whether some teams caught more of a break than other teams when it came down to NFL discipline. And I'm not just talking about player discipline, but things that happen within the league just in terms of how um, they make certain rulings. And and so you can 
you can always find people who question whether or not everything is fair and above board. And to hear this story, the Ravens have denied denied it for the most part, but they haven't denied it with a lot of details. They've just kind of given a, a, a blanket statement that, no, there are so many inconsistencies and inaccuracies in the story and so on and so forth. So maybe we'll hear more about that. But that all ties into this investigation with the former FBI director, Robert Mueller. Mm-hmm. Now, Roger Goodell has a lot of support so far on the record from NFL owners, and I've talked to a few myself who are still in his corner because you got to remember he does represent them and all the things he's done. But if something comes out in that investigation that is really damaging to Goodell's credibility, then that's the next question. So that could really be the next shoe to drop, but it, it, it really would start with the investigation. Okay. All right. We'll keep an eye on that. I know you will be too. Oh, well, the- and, and in this <laughs> neck of the woods, the Saints, knowing what they went through, they've got to be interested just to kind of see how this whole thing unfolds for another reason. Oh, yes. No, I think there's a lot of people with pent-up you-know-what in this <laughs> fan base here. That's for sure. Uh, real quick, which Cowboys team does the Saints go up against next Sunday? The one that – Almost gave it away yesterday and then had to come all the way back to win, or the one that's fumbled through the first two weeks? Which which one? Yeah, the, the one that gave up like 500 yards and 900 first yeah. downs against the Saints last week. I mean, their defense has played better than anyone expected, and, you know, that's a good sign for them, but they'll get their real test against the Saints. Uh, the, the one thing I like about the Cowboys right now in what they're doing, they're giving DeMarco Murray the football. Three consecutive 100-yard rushing games just takes so much pressure off of Tony Romo, and if you if you can sling it around with Romo when you need to, and if he's having a good day, I mean, he had a pick six yesterday, mm-hmm. then I think that just gives them uh, – it makes them so much more of a balanced threat. But the defense is still the big question, so I'm expecting New Orleans to go in there. And plus, Sean Payton going back to Dallas, oh, boy. <laughs> he, he's going to have his edge on this yeah, week. Yeah, it's a fun week. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah, so, t- hey, good litmus test, though, for the Cowboys' defense. Absolutely. And good test for the Saints on the road, which hasn't been kind thus far. As, as mentioned here. Yes, as is duly noted, yes. When was the last time you spent two nights in a row in your own house? Ooh. Uh, I, I got I got two days last week. Okay, but but it was a it, it was it was a, a, a funky two days because I came in late one night and had to leave early the day that I left. So um, yeah, a lot of a lot of miles being put on the uh, on the guy right now. Uh, as we as we fully expected, he's the great writer from the USA Today covering the National Football League. As always, Jerry Bell, thank you for coming by. Thanks for the time. You bet. All right, JD and I back to wrap up the show here on this Monday in just a moment. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Ticket plans for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. There's a variety of packages for all fans featuring half season and 12 game options, including the ever popular weekend plan that averages a couple of games a month. Packages start as low as $185. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and take flight with your Pelicans today. Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. 
We can blend that. Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Certainly hope you have a great rest of your Monday. We're about set to wrap up the Black and Blue Report here from Studio B. Uh, John DeShazer's last Black and Blue Report, it seems, since he's going to win Powerball this week and tell us all to kick rocks. So, Indeed. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. And it might be the last show from Studio B. As, as we mentioned earlier, we'll be on the boat. Anyway, um, there's enough free plugs there for Powerball to last you for a while. Yeah. Hey, big thanks again to Jared Bell from USA Today, Paris Harrelson, and Kenny Stills, two of my more uh, favorite interviews. Go-to guys, as they say. You know, I like Paris. Paris you know, Paris is the Paris is always one of the guys. Paris does not suffer fools. You know, we've said that before. You walk up to Paris, you know, hey, Paris, can I talk to you for a second? Depends on what you got to ask. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you better have your A game. <laughs> so you better not walk up to him empty-minded, mind, empty empty-handed, empty anything. You better have something, and it better be specific, and it better entertain him. Otherwise, he might just kind of flick you away. Yeah, no, there'll be no no talking about your hobbies, you no, know, or your no, favorite food no, before a game. Not that, with Mr. Harrelson. That's not a Paris Harrelson conversation. Okay, uh, give us the lowdown on the week. Not everybody's uh, up to speed on what the usual is, but we're in a usual schedule here for the Saints. Maybe give us a some of the highlights or at least some of the storylines that you may see emerge this week? Well, I mean, we go through the routine stuff. Um, players off Tuesday, besides treatment, Wednesday we get back into practice. Saints will do their first and second down preparations, getting ready for Dallas, blah, 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 going through the rest of the week. Um, you know, I think one of the storylines that we'll have to touch on is is certainly uh, the turnovers because they were huge in the first two games and they were ended up being huge in the third game, as we mentioned, when the Saints don't turn it over under Sean Payton. They're 26-0. and um, you have to look at some of the other things that that factor into the game. I mean, at some point, you know, it's hard to to you almost overlook Drew Brees because you're so used to seeing what he does all the time. But he's 27 out of 35 yesterday, a couple of touchdowns, you know, passer rating of 120. It's just kind of what he does all the doggone time. So, you know, and and another interesting guy might be Josh Hill, who played a little bit yesterday because Ben Watson, Benjamin Watson, got injured at tight end, ends up catching a touchdown, 34 yarder quiet kids you can't really squeeze a whole lot out of them I know you had him on black and blue before but man to, to get him in the locker room you gotta just about you know you gotta whoo it's hard to get some words out of him so hopefully we can get him to open up a little bit more uh, about his performance because he might have to play a key role if Benjamin Watson doesn't play and I know coach Payton was pretty pleased with some of his aspects but he says you know along the lines of blocking and those kinds of things some of his fundamentals he was gonna have to clean up on this week and um uh, and we'll just talk around the locker room and see what those guys have to say, uh, especially in the aftermath of a win. You know, they've not been down in the mouth much over the losses because they felt like they played pretty decent in both of those games. But, you know, let's see how they react to a win. And I'm, I'm sure none of them were exactly, you know, doing backflips over over the way they won. But certainly you get into the win column, and that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Benjamin Watson. We won't see an injury report until – Wednesday afternoon, I'll be anxious to see what's going on with Jonathan Goodwin as well. Exactly, because yeah. he ends up having to come out of the game, and Tim Lolito ends up having to finish. Right. Him. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right, so for the Saints today, it's uh, film work, obviously, treatment, and uh, we'll visit with them a little bit and share some of that with you tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. Tomorrow is kind of the quiet day, and then Wednesday it's back to the practice field and uh, – the busiest day of the week, frankly, that's non-game day for the Saints is Wednesday. And then John and I will march you right through Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on our way to, of course, the big game at Dallas 
this weekend. Back on the road again. I feel like that's all we've done this month. Anyway, uh, good. Uh, again, thanks for joining us on this Monday. Thanks to our guests. Daniel Salerson is our producer here at Studio B. For John DeShazer, I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.